I was caring for the dying on hospice while also teaching at Moses Lake Christian Academy. I would leave the school by four and I would try to be home by seven-ish. It didn't always work that way and Carrie can surely attest to that. I was visiting a man here in Ephrata, just off of Nat Way. His daughter was in her 60s. He was approaching 90, but he wouldn't complete his ninth decade of life. I don't know why I have this gift, but I have often been able to tell that someone was going to die or died before seeing them. I remember when I was 19, my mom called. I was at work at Shell Gas Station, and it was a Sunday. And she called and she said, I got some bad news. I said, oh, I already know. You're calling to tell me Laverne Beasley died. She said, yeah, how'd you know? I just got the call. I said, I just knew. And he wasn't sick. I stepped into Thurman's home. And I talked to his daughter at the kitchen table. When I walked in, you you couldn't see him. I sat down at the kitchen table where she was. He was in a hospital bed at the very far end of the living room. And I just knew when I stepped in the home that death was present. And you may ask, what do I mean by that? I don't know how to explain it, but there's this heaviness. uh, A weightiness was thick in the air. I sensed mortality sitting in the corner and death brushing up against my shoulder as it kind of wandered by. And that nicking of my arm reminded me, remember your death, weirdly. Thurman's daughter in this whole scene, she sensed nothing. And, it, and she acted like she had all the time in the world. I hadn't seen Thurman that week. My back was to the living room, and if I had turned my chair to look at him, I would have only seen his feet because of the way the bed was situated. I talked to her for about 30 minutes, and halfway through the conversation, I knew Thurman had slipped through the veil. I just knew it. So, at about 30 minutes after of our conversation, I told Janet... We needed to go to her dad's bedside because while we were talking about 10, 15 minutes ago, he died. And her response was, oh, come on, Mark, how do you know that? You haven't even seen him. We haven't even been in the the, the living room. And we walked over to the bed and death had done his work. He was gone. And she wept and I cared for the body. Psalm 49 that was read, verse 14, personifies death. Like I did, that death was just there, doing its work. It says, like sheep, they are destined for the grave, and death will feed on them. And let me just say, that's disturbing poetry. Those who think they have life by the tail will be death's main course for dinner. And it's not common to find death personified in the Old Testament. This is not a common thing. It is personified in a couple places. Like Jeremiah 9, we find death has climbed in through our windows and has entered our fortresses. 
It has cut off the children from the streets and the young men from the public square. So in other words, death is not a respecter of persons. Children and young men taste just as good to death as the aged. Psalm 49 shoots straight. Death is a force, a presence we will all have to encounter. We will learn the smell of death's presence and the whispers of his movements. It doesn't count if we're wise. We could be dumb as a box of rocks. All of us can see that both the wise are buried and the fools also are covered in earth's dirt. Whatever we possess in this world will be pocketed by others. We may own a house, a few condos in warmer climates, a fleet of cars, a bank vault full of gold, and yet each year, no matter our wealth, will be put in a very, very, very small box as our permanent dwelling. Psalm 49 feels like Ecclesiastes in telling us our tombs, our caskets, our urns will be our houses forever. We do pray instruction in Psalm 49. Evil days will come. Wicked deceivers will surround us. People so often think money's the answer for all of these things. We have more than we need in our culture. Let's just be honest. And oh, how we trust in that wealth. We're proud of our hard-earned money, but that doesn't guarantee eternity. We pray the ransom for a life is costly and no payment is ever enough. That we should live on forever and not see decay. We are marked with ashes this night, and ashes remind us we better pay attention to what we value because as Psalm 49 prays, we will take nothing with us when we die. Our splendor will descend with us. Death should not be ignored, ever. It should teach. It should force uncomfortable questions. It should give us disturbing answers. Death is the enemy of God, and thus it should be our enemy too. My life book is Love is Stronger Than Death. I've probably read it 40 plus times. The last time I read it, I read it in the cemetery. In one day, here in town, the next day I took my computer and I wrote my message to that cemetery, from the cemetery here in Ephrata. Peter Kraft in that book, he writes, death is loss, loss of life, life is good, loss of a good is an evil, therefore death is an evil. Life is a great good, therefore death is a great evil. Life is a great good, death is a great evil. Not to see this is a great blindness. Hmm. Blindness is a great evil, therefore not to see death as a great evil is a great evil. Paul, St. Paul, most famous chapter probably he wrote, 1 Corinthians 15, he preaches that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is the enemy of God. Death is an act of uncreation. It uncreates creation. It is the undoing of creation. Death is the most uncreative act in the universe. It is the polar opposite of God who is life. 
and God hates death. And we must hate what God hates. The picture on the screen, it was taken since the Ukrainian war. It's from Ukraine. It's where 440 Ukrainians in graves were buried and no one knows their name. We must hate death. Psalm 49.15 gives us hope, though, in our death meditation. The prayer rubs our noses in our finitude. It doesn't punch so much like Psalm 90. I mean that we finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for we quickly pass and then we fly away. In the face of death, there is hope for us that that the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ through God has separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. So we come confessing tonight. We're marked with the sign of death, a cross of ashes. As we remember that our only hope in life and in death is that we belong to our faithful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. My late friend Larry, that was one of his favorite lines, and he quoted it to me so often. And we pray in defiance of death, what I want to call the great but, B-U-T. But death does not have the last word. But death does not have the last word. But Jesus is risen and tells us that whoever believes in him will live even though they die, and that whoever lives and believes in Jesus Christ will never die. Or as Psalm 49 confesses, the psalm that was read at the beginning of this service sermon, it prays and it hopes, it says, but God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Tonight we return to our God in the face of our mortality. We come confessing our sin. We leave bearing the sign of death, the cross of shame. This is the word of the Lord in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray.